five teenagers are given the ability to transform into any animal they touch. Using this technology, they alone must fight a secret infiltration of Earth by a parasitic race of aliens known as the Yerks. They can't tell you who they are or where they are from, but we're here to tell you their story. This is the Millennial Agenda, Animorphs Edition. Welcome, everyone, to the Millennial Agenda Animorphs Edition, a weekly discussion of K.A. Applegate's sci-fi action series Animorphs. I am your host, Josh Gunderson. I am joined by my Animorphs Edition co-host, Kevin Morey. This week, we are discussing Book 17, The Underground. Y'all remember that time Jake made the rule about not morphing for selfish reasons? Well, neither do the fucking Animorphs, because they're gate-crashing a Planet Hollywood grand opening. Rachel spots a man about to jump to his death off a high-rise building and rushes to save him along with the rest of the gang. After rescuing him, they learn from Rachel's mom that the man has been institutionalized for claiming an alien is living in his head. This means it's time for breaking and entering. The group breaks into the facility where he is being held to learn that instant ginger maple oatmeal can actually replace a yerk's need for Kendrona rays, but it's like yerk crack. It actually drives the yerk insane and permanently lodges them into their host's brain. The group then decides that chemical warfare is in order, they agree to return to the Yerk pool underneath the city with the intention of dumping a ton of instant oatmeal into the pool. They first dig as moles and go the rest of the way as bats to get in. And spoiler alert, it all goes to shit from there. Rachel manages to infiltrate the Yerks, pretending to be a human controller, and discovers barrels of the bad, bad oatmeal and chucks them into the pool so that she can save the others and escape, exposing a ton of Yerks to the addictive oatmeal. We talk a lot about oatmeal in this yeah. book. <laughs> I I never thought in my life I'd be thinking about oatmeal this much. Because I can't stand oatmeal. If I wanted a bowl of mush, I I just wouldn't. <laughs> Did you just start that sentence with no idea where it was going to end and then just have to figure out something to say? <laughs> I'm surprised you had to ask. <laughs> Oh man, yeah the the whole oatmeal thing is very bizarre, and the the only thing that I can ever think about whenever I read this book is the um, the flash game that they had on the Nickelodeon website for the TV show, because this book was one of the I think it was the last uh, book that was actually adapted into a TV episode, and there was this really fun flash game where you were Tobias. And you were flying, and he would just fly from, like, left to right on the screen, and, like, the Yerk would be, like, traveling under him, you know? And yeah. he would drop oatmeal on the Yerks, and then he'd have to, like, dodge stuff. It was really fun. I spent hours playing it at my local library growing up. <laughs> As one does when you're uh, a young 90s kid. <laughs> These are facts. No, I went to my friend's house to play on the computer. That's what I did. Mm. Yeah, I was fancy like that and i think by actually i think by the time that game came out i i was super fancy i had a computer in my bedroom with my own dedicated phone line oh look at yeah. you yeah being all fancy and shit with my gateway computer oh god <laughs> we we even... eventually we got a computer room but or well it wasn't even a room because we had a small townhouse it was like a section of the living room but we couldn't really play games on there because we couldn't use the internet too often because my dad needed the phone for work. So, you know, internet time was usually spent uh, at the library and I, all of the flash games, all of them, 
but this one in particular I played a lot. They also had a really fun, you know, those little slider puzzles where it's like all jumbled and you have to slide the little things into the empty space to make the picture. They had that yeah. and you would like form the picture of the Animorphs. That was my <laughs> other favorite. Is, is this us just not wanting to talk about oatmeal? <laughs> <laughs> just trying to find anything else to talk about. Um, but no, let's talk about it. Um, I, well, first off, we we uh, we get Planet Hollywood. We can't talk about Rainforest Cafe, apparently, but name-dropping Planet Hollywood, totally fine. That's fascinating, actually. Yeah, I didn't think of that. I wonder if there's, like, a public domain thing. Uh, uh, part of me wonders if it's because, like, with the not Rainforest Cafe, she was kind of slandering them with the parrots up front. And she didn't want, like, that's kind of my thought, is maybe she didn't want Rainforest Cafe coming after her. Exactly. And in this book, the Planet Hollywood is just kind of there. There's nothing happening at the restaurant. Yeah, short of Arnold Schwarzenegger apparently being able to rush to this man's aid (laughs) from far away and give him mouth to mouth. Which was fascinating to me is the selection of celebrities that she name drops for this Planet Hollywood opening are actually very smart moves on her part, because I did not know this until recently, because I don't have a life. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, and Demi Moore, who are all name dropped, actually all own stake in Planet Hollywood. Oh, how fascinating. They were, they were actually, uh, they came in on the ground floor. Because, I mean, if you don't know what Planet Hollywood is, it's essentially... Hard Rock Cafe for movies. That's the only way I know how to describe Planet Hollywood. Um, yeah, I've fair. only I've been to the one that we have at Disney Springs a total of one time because it was loud as fuck in there. Same. I went there once on my college program way back in the day, which tells you all you need to know about why I was there. And it was so loud. There were all these cheerleaders there because it was the one at Disney Springs. And it was just insufferable. The food was not good enough to justify it. Um, I feel like that's just a, probably a problem with the one at Disney Springs specifically. And it's probably not as bad now that the crowds are lower and we don't have like as many cheer groups coming through. But oh my gosh, it I, well, was miserable. The, when I went, it was after the menu revamp when Guy, Guy Fieri came in and revamped the menu. Mm-hmm. Um, so the food was good, but it was, it was during a, a race weekend. Oh, I want to say yeah. it was possibly, it was probably the Star Wars race weekend. And so it wasn't like, we had reservations, it wasn't too busy, but it was just so goddamn loud. Mm-hmm. Like, I, ugh, I, I, so that's, that's all you need to know about Planet Hollywood. But apparently, a brand new <laughs> one opened up in their town, along with their Mega Mall. I, Even though they already mentioned Planet Hollywood back in the Android, but you know, whatever. <laughs> they do, but let's not, it's, it's a new one. It's a new one. They tore down you the other one. You can never have too many Planet Hollywoods. It's so <laughs> true. I, uh, so we learned that physics don't exist in this universe because apparently five to six very large birds of prey can parachute a grown-ass man safely. Well, okay, I can kind of buy this because Tobias specifically is like, hey, we can't actually really do this. Just kind of angle your wings and we will help him like glide this way. So it sounds like he was just like, he was going to splat on the concrete and they got him the few extra feet to get to the water. 
And I, I buy that. It's uh, probably not enough time for them to have gathered together in this way. You know, it, I think it happened a little too too long. It would have been a lot faster, but I can buy it, you know? I'm not. I'm refusing. I'm refusing to buy it. But we will we will do as we always do and nod and smile. <laughs> because what the hell else do we have? It's <laughs> not mental health, that's for sure. Oh, too soon. <laughs> too soon. Oh man. Oh, I feel attacked. Now, here's what's really interesting to me. I find it the thing that I find hard to believe is that the Yerks didn't just kill this guy outright. The fact that he got to the point where he was able to try to kill himself, I am really surprised that it seems like they've identified this problem with the oatmeal at that point and its effect on the Yerk and host relationship. So you would think that they would just be offing people who have eaten it. Uh, but I mean, between a bunch of them disappearing due to fights with the Animorphs, plus the psychotic cannibalistic brother twin. Like, what is the missing persons rate in this city? At this point, the missing persons rate mixed with the animal attack rate. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they can afford to kill people off that much. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like it's it's getting to be far too much collateral damage at this point for the Yerks. Very true, and they do a lot of property damage too. Yeah, like a lot of these battles are a little bit too public, but. Who knows? <laughs> no, and uh, speaking of public, Rachel morphing in public because she had to go from bird to mm -hmm. dolphin to prop this dude up. Because then he, like, much to Rachel's annoyance, gets stuck in the mud when he lands in the water from God only knows how high up. And she's like, "Ugh, now I gotta go fucking morph out of bird and into <laughs> a dolphin. Like, Jesus Christ, dude. And then she just kind of, like, blows the whole thing off because they're talking about it the next day. and. She's like, uh, I mean, not a big deal. I just wanted to, I just wanted to see if we could do it. Like, Rachel, you are you okay? <laughs> you okay, Rachel? You don't the answer to that question is always no. It's true. But I, I do feel, I feel very vindicated that her house still is not complete. <laughs> I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I am once again being vindicated by the universe. <laughs> and, and getting to mildly prove Kevin wrong about stuff. I'm not right often, so this feels good. This <laughs> this feels this feels nice. And then her mom, Rachel, as we know, her mom is a lawyer and is put in charge of of this man's case. Uh, George Edelman is his name, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. I am. I yeah, I am George Edelman. And she's uh, representing him because his family is like, ah, he cray cray. We're gonna we're gonna institutionalize him. Which I'm gonna be honest, I don't think mental institutions exist anymore. Didn't those get like Reaganized and shut down? Um, they're just very different, but they definitely they definitely exist. They're just uh, they're less of a hey, take your crazy people and dump them here, and we'll poke them and prod them and electrocute them. You know, it's it's less that and more of like a, uh, what's the right word I'm looking for? I have a lot of friends who have spent time in these kinds of facilities, and it's more of somewhere to like, 
Uh, it's almost like rehab. Um, not necessarily for like detoxing from some kind of like, you know, from alcohol or from drugs or anything, but it's just somewhere to go if you're in uh, distress and you need to be somewhere safe and you need people to take care of you and be a little bit more direct in intervening in your life. I'll say it that way. Um, so it's definitely not like, uh, it's not like they're going to a resort, but it's certainly not like the loony bins of, you know, like, it's not like one flew over the cuckoo's nest or anything like that. But yeah, so these kind of places do still exist, but I don't know if they exist in quite the way they're depicted in this book. They they decide they need to check this out and and go there. And of course, some uh, shenanigans ensue as they're trying to figure out how to uh, break in. And they're like, ah, what's more convenient than a food delivery? And he's like, cool, food truck, let's... Uh, Let's fly into the truck and then go cockroach and we'll hide in the food and get carried inside. And that that just can't go right. Because now uh, I'm going to I'm going to call some shenanigans like I do. They hide in a box of bananas and just conveniently, as they're discussing um, spiders and bananas, a tarantula shows up inside the banana box which is terrifying in and of itself like i don't spider <laughs> but i'm calling shenanigans because it would not be a tarantula and i know this because i worked in a grocery store and many a times we had banana spiders in our bananas so if you ever want to hear josh scream go back in time to him working at the grocery store and it's actually a um uh, it's a Brazilian spider. It's a Brazilian um, wandering spider, which is also known as a banana spider. And it's it's known to happen that in like there's a very good chance that there at some point in time were spiders all over your bananas. You're welcome, world, huh. for that. For that, yeah. I that... have never heard of that being a thing. Oh, you haven't? Oh, that was like. Well, I'm allergic to bananas, so I don't really spend a lot of time interacting with them. That's. That's entirely fair. <laughs> but yeah, I've never heard of this. Yeah, the worst was ever whenever I had to work produce and they're like, ah, could you fill the bananas? And I'd be like, I would rather die. I would rather go play in traffic <laughs> than deal with this. <laughs> uh, but there's some but banana tarantula related shenanigans. And and Tobias uh, saves them. Not before like tearing Rachel up a little bit. But, like, Tobias swoops down, and he's like, ah, I got it, and then he eats it, and makes sure that we all know that he ate it. And it's like, mmm, that was yummy. Gross, <laughs> Tobias. Gross, sir. They need to stop morphing bugs, I think is the moral of the story. Please. And thank well, you're going to be sorely disappointed if you're hoping they stop morphing bugs. I, I know. Well, I'm just going to continue on this. <laughs> there are a lot of bugs. So they... <laughs> They continue on as cockroaches and get inside and Rachel ends up in a bathroom where she demorphs, but not before like going through like a very like sitcom-y situation with a, a, a patient in the hospital where he walks it like, I guess, walks in as she's like demorphing or something. And he's like, are you real? And she's like, nah, just go get that dude for me. I need to talk to him. And he's like, all right, this <laughs> this all tracks. This seems legit. <laughs> and then proceeds to pretend to be working with his legal team. She's like, ah, yes, I'm a... She says she's 25, but like, c come on. 
and she's there in her leotard with no shoes on. And this poor guy is like, ah, I guess, I guess this tracks. You're part of my legal team. How fun for fun for me. <laughs> and he he then uh, kind of goes to the sort of just terrifying story of that, you know, when after the Animorphs destroyed the Kendrona a couple of Rachel books ago, the Yerks discovered just completely by accident that eating very specifically maple and ginger flavored instant oatmeal, which I, again, I'm not an oatmeal person. None of that sounds appealing as a mixture of things at all. Oh, I think that sounds pretty good. I mean, if it's like, if it's like an instant mix, I'm probably not going to be into that. But if it was like actual oatmeal with real like ginger and maple, like I would be pretty good. I would eat that. Nah. Nah. But ap apparently, so the oatmeal changes the physiology of a yerk and replaces mm -hmm. some of their brain stem. And they basically become addicted to it. And there's no way to get the yerk out of his head and it's just going to live there forever. Kind of like a reverse controller situation for them. Cause it can like break mm -hmm. through sometimes, but I wouldn't like a quick x-ray of his head prove that he's not lying about there being an alien in his head. I would be very surprised if any doctor heard somebody saying there's an alien in my head and they were like, yes, let's do an expensive x-ray to find out, you know, well, I don't think an X-ray would even show it. It would probably have to be uh, an MRI, right? I or a CAT you, scan. you are asking are the... those terms interchangeable. I don't know. I don't know if anyone I have a very vague idea of what these things do. But I feel like X-ray is for bones, and you wouldn't see things that are not bones. So you would want to do one of those things where you scan the actual brain itself. If anyone has any medical training and can lend some insight to this, at me. Uh, <laughs> slide into those dms yo tell me all about it because i i honestly don't know but i feel like there would be an easy way to deal with this and then like like how many is it instant do you think or does it like a, a gradual thing like is it an instant like addiction you're screwed or because at one point when they're down in the underground rachel passed like sees this girl like get caught with some of her instant oatmeal and she's like oh no that's not mine it's it's raisin bran it's it's fine and it's like it's not raisin bran but that <laughs> nice nice try um like is it a it's probably it's probably pretty quick i would imagine that it's not something you can just try once and then forget about it and i feel like there are many uh era appropriate <laughs> slogans about this concept I would say instant oatmeal, not even once. Don't do it, Yerks. You'll be addicted. <laughs> what what would the like dare equivalent of that be? <laughs> um, I don't know. I went to a private Christian school, so we weren't allowed to talk about drugs at all, so we didn't get that kind of education. Uh, but... Would it be like or <laughs> like oatmeal abuse resistance education? Uh, you know what? Uh, Yerk Nancy Reagan says don't don't do oatmeal. Yeah. Don't do it. Just say no. Just say no to oatmeal. So they they gather back, and Marco's like, "Yeah, we've we got this now." He's very he and Rachel are very gung ho, and it's and it's the rest of the team. Like Tobias seems very uneasy about it. Axe seems like very conflicted about it. 
and I mean, Cassie's there with her wavering morals <laughs> per usual. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it because it, it, it if they, because they're, they're thinking is like, oh, let's we'll go force feed a bunch of controllers some oatmeal and that's not going to work. And they eventually get the plan to dump it into the, the pool. And like they've, they've mass genocided Yerks before. Right. Well, this isn't really genocide because the Yerks will still be alive. They just won't be suitable to control anybody, which I think this is probably the most morally sound decision they could have made, which is don't go after the controllers because then there's innocent human collateral. Instead, let's just get the actual slugs. And, you know, it's it's not like these Yerks are innocent Yerks that are, you know, just brought in from the home world against their will or something. Any Yerk that is on Earth is intending to infest people. If they were to go around and force feed controllers, then they're dooming them to a life of having this thing fused to their brain, making them insane. So by going straight to the source, they're just making these Yerks non-suitable for actually controlling humans. I think this is probably the most morally sound thing they could have done. Now I'm thinking like, all right, so say we have a, like a regular controller that for some reason needs an MRI. Is that you're going to show up? I'm backtracking heavily because I still got <laughs> questions. So maybe they're not going to like scan Edelman's head, but like. Well, I'm sure it would show up in, in an MRI. I think that would happen. But I think that if a controller in the unlikely circumstance that a controller is involved in some kind of injury or medical condition where they would need that kind of brain scan most likely what's going to happen is again the yerks are probably just going to off them like they're probably just going to say oh you're dead now and that's that because they they don't care about human life um they only see humans as something to control to use to get their own means which is you know a galactic yeah. empire basically so they want to dominate everybody just by controlling the humans so they're not going to blink twice they're not going to think twice about just completely killing somebody if their host body is no longer suitable and i think that anybody who'd be in the situation where they're getting an mri would be seen as no longer suitable basically the yerks are ableist as fuck i think you're overthinking this like one little detail because <laughs> you have to remember we don't we don't know numbers obviously, but it's implied that the Yerk invasion only has like maybe a couple thousand controllers at this point. So we're not going to be running into like it's not like we're talking about the population of an entire city where, you know, there's going to be injuries and murders and crimes and things happening to all of these Yerks. We're talking about like a few dozen that are out in the open, you know, on any given day. Maybe a couple hundred, a few dozen might be under underselling it, but It's got to be in the hundred at most. If if Visser Three's brother is able to serial kill multiple Yerks a month, it's gotta it's gotta be because what is Visser Three says that there's at least a thousand Yerks in the pool, mm -hmm. and so there's gotta be more than that walking around. I think of it this way: Let's talk about Disney World. We I don't know exact numbers of how many people are at Disney World on any given day, especially not right now. But let's say there's a hundred thousand people at Disney World. Already, we are we have probably many times more than like year controllers would be. In one day at Disney World, I would be very surprised to learn that multiple people needed MRIs. <laughs> you know, 
so I just I really don't think that this is going to be a situation that they're going to run into. I don't think that it's going to be like, oh, what's our procedure for when a controller needs an MRI? Like, I just don't think it happens. I don't think it's going to happen often enough. I think that anybody who would need an MRI would be not deemed as suitable for being a host and they would never be infested in the first place. And if they were injured and needed an MRI because of that, they would just be killed. They would just kill them. They would say this is no longer useful to us and they'd be done with it. How many open cases of missing persons do you think are in this town? <laughs> now that I can buy, that that would be a lot. Probably a few dozen, at the very least. But the Animorphs do a good job of not killing humans. They just try to knock them out whenever they can. Um, I don't think we've seen any instances yet of them directly killing a human controller. Not them, but Eric the, Eric the Chi did a number. Yeah, oh yeah, he he definitely did kill some people. Um he murdered them. But <laughs> <laughs> but then like there's been like like Rachel's knocked some people around. Like animal attacks are up mm-hmm. in this city big time. But are they even reported as animal attacks? I mean they'd have to be hospitalized, wouldn't they? Maybe the Yerks have a doctor in the hospital. I mean we know that they have people in the hospitals. Yeah. But uh, who knows? I, I'm so later that day. <laughs> <laughs> they so Tobias has has scattered out the location of uh, an entrance to a yurt pool, and naturally it's in a McDonald's because why wouldn't it be? And in order to access it, controllers have to go to the counter and ask for a Happy Meal with extra happy, which is just a a parent joke galore right there. Um, mm-hmm. and then they have to like, so they ask for that and that basically gives them access to go into the back and go into a walk-in cooler, which is where it is. And so they fly in and they get, uh, stopped by a Gleet biofilter, uh, that Axe is pretty pissed about because like that's Android technology. Like, calm, like they've got your technology, bro. Calm the fuck down. We know this. <laughs> Get over yourself. And it's set to destroy anything that I'm I'm gonna have to guess that it's it's tracking specifically Yerk DNA. So they can kind it's kind of like um they can set it to filter out whatever they don't want. Um so they can or let me rephrase that. They can filter it to only let certain things through. So it can recognize humans, it can recognize Yerks, it can recognize hork it can recognize Taxons, you know, that sort of thing. Probably can recognize um, an Andalite, because Visitor 3 probably has to go through it at some point, maybe. So that's a loophole they probably should have thought of with Axe, just walking right in. But I digress. Um, but what about it's, what about the G? The, the thing is... Oh. Yeah. The, I, I think that the probably the easiest way to explain that away, which is something that happens a lot in these books is oh the chi are just more advanced technology so they just trick it <laughs> straight up that's it <laughs> all right i'll buy it um and i i kind of i i can't help but wonder what their plan was to begin with because as flies like what was the purpose of trying to sneak into the yerk pool as flies you're not carrying the oatmeal you need the oatmeal it's the whole <laughs> point of this endeavor damn it yeah, they just don't really... Well, here's the thing, too. They never use the oatmeal that they bought. No, they don't. <laughs> they just... <laughs> Poor Marco's dad. His credit score is being ruined by oatmeal. 
Only for them to not even use it or eat it. Or uh, he he very very nicely passes it off to Rachel at the end of the book. So yeah. that was that was nice of him. So they, <laughs> they decide to go mole and dig, which takes them forever. And they it it's a pretty terrifying description of just that Rachel feeling like she's been like she's constantly terrified about being buried alive and we get a lot of time dedicated to those those feelings and mm. th that like that like i felt very claustrophobic reading that because like i i well i used to think that being buried alive would like be the scariest thing in the world but now i'm like oh, i could finally nap so i might not be that mad about it <laughs> this might be okay uh, that's where i'm at as a person, I'm oh I'm fine. God. Everything's fine, and <laughs> they end up like getting into a bat cave. Like, what is the geography of this city that all this shit just exists everywhere? They got bat caves and giant underground pools. Like, I don't know much about I how think... anything works, but this makes no sense to me. <laughs> so you know, in like your third grade class when you have those books where you learn about geography and it has like a map of like a city that has every single terrain. They live there. They live in that, in that book. <laughs> they live in that little diagram that has every single possible kind of climate, every possible body of water, every possible mountain and valley. They just, they've got it all in their own little town. Good. Good. They really do. They because so far we've seen desert, we've seen ocean, we've seen lakes, we've seen forests, we've seen mountains, we've seen. Have we seen valleys? Uh, I kinda because Axis Valley. I feel like that's how they describe it. Did we? Have we gotten to the free hork bajir yeah. yet? Yeah, we talked about valleys. So yeah, the hork bajir have a valley. So like, we've seen rivers. <laughs> we've seen cliffs. They literally live in that little geography illustration from third grade. That's where they live. Oh, look, at, look at them go. Well, mm -hmm. then they, they get to the bats and they're like, all right, now we morph bats and we'll just figure out how to get out of here. And they end up in the yerk pool. And then things go horribly, horribly wrong. Because on top of the, the, the Gleet biofilter, which is just really fun to say, um, the the Yerks have wised up and they've now got these like hunter drones flying around. And so basically anything that is not Yerkified or Horkfajir or Taxon or whatever gets shot. And Rachel mm -hmm. gets the shot. Um they all mm -hmm. get like everyone like things aren't going well. And Rachel falls into the pool, which she's like kind of terrified about for like two seconds. She's like, ah, I'm a bat. I'm good. And she like one hands bat strokes under the the pier. Rachel brings up a question that I, I don't know if I've brought up before or if I've just thought a whole lot. Cause she's like, she's mm -hmm. feeling the Yerks like bump into her and shit. And she's kind of like, wait, what? How do they like, how do they get around? Like, how do they? Like, how do they know when to go back to their host and which host is theirs? I got Rachel's mm -hmm. got questions, and so do I. These are things that we do learn. I can say that with confidence, but I don't think that we've learned them yet, and I don't think we learned them for a while. Ah, uh, because we do learn in this book that at, that Yerks have 
some sort of mouth situation mm -hmm. um, that Axe vaguely remembers, because as we are reminded once again, he is a terrible student and does not pay attention. Uh, he, he would like it to be known that he did not fall asleep. He just simply let his mind wander and became very calm and restful and not completely alert. That was that was how he put it. <laughs> but they they absorb the Kendrona rays, but also absorb other nutrients as well. Uh, they absorb the liquid from the Yerk pool through something called osmosis nodes, which sounds like an animated Will Smith movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we had Osmosis Jones. Will Smith was not involved, but that was animated. Was, it, was that? Oh, who's that? Was that Chris Rock? So Rachel is musing all these things while she demorphs underneath the pier, and much like uh, secret military installations, theme parks, and America Online headquarters, there's apparently no security cameras in the Yerk Pool, right. and no one's paying attention, so she gets away with it. And then turns into an ant and hitches a ride and very conveniently ends up in a storeroom full of cases of Dracon beams. And she's like, ah, like Rachel's very Rachel in this because she's like, ah, yes, guns. I think I will play with one of these. <laughs> and subsequently shoots a hork -Bajir, and is like, oh, that's what that does. And then a human controller comes in and she goes ahead and shoots her too. But it's set on stun. We're very specifically told that the, the Draken beam is set on stun. Right. So it's okay. It's okay. And then in another moment of pure Rachel dumb, she decides to steal this woman's clothes, but make sure to check the labels first so as not to be seen in the secret Yerk underground facility wearing off-brand blazers <laughs> from, <laughs> from the blousey barn. Um, <laughs> that was and then and then i'm gonna i'm gonna say this out of all the things we've talked about the most unrealistic thing happens hmm. in this entire book that rachel is able to fit a giant as she describes it designed for a hork bajir's hands dracon beam in the pocket of this blazer because if i know anything about women's clothing from all the memes that I read. If if it's got pockets, they're either not real pockets or you can't fit jack shit in them. <laughs> Which is, yeah, that's pretty accurate. So of all the things that I don't believe in this book, I do not believe this one the most. <laughs> so that, and then she, and so like uh, chaos breaks loose because they're like, ah, there's some definite shenanigans going on here. And Visser 3 is on his way. And Rachel just starts, like, up and... Like, Rachel goes into, like, a living game of Among Us. Where she's just, like, randomly shooting people and blaming other people for it. She's like, I saw that guy do it. That guy over there shot that guy. <laughs> pay, pay no attention to that giant bulge in my pocket. I'm just happy to see all of you. <laughs> And then she she ends up finding a giant room full of oatmeal contraband. Because apparently now the Yerk Pool is just high school. Where they, they have barrels of contraband just chilling. Mm -hmm. Where anyone could get to. Like the world's worst drug locker that she just easily breaks into. And then of course Visser 3 shows up. And Rachel goes full Rachel. And 
after they discover uh the the woman in the horcajou that she she uh blasts and Vista 3 shows up and Rachel meets up with Cassie they decide to they find Marco in gorilla morph and that great comedic moment she's like Marco is that you and he's like no it's the other fucking gorilla <laughs> hanging out in the yerk pool what the fuck oh man and they're like Look, Vister Three is here. We found the oatmeal. We're gonna we're gonna throw it in the yerk pool, and they're gonna absorb it through their osmosis nodes. Mm. And uh, <laughs> and Rachel, uh, who is once again chatting with uh, with the Visser, like she does. She's still the only one that's chatted with him, right? I think so at this point. Yeah. Other than I think technically Jake in. The Forgotten, which doesn't count because nothing in that book mattered yeah. at all. Um, and she's like, hey, let us all go or the monkey over there is going to shoot the oatmeal. And Visser 3 is like, he's like, go go for it. Like, I'm pretty sure like you're only going to kill like maybe half of them. And there's like a thousand in there. He's like, see, see I, I'm fine with writing people off, which like that. How is that going to work for troop morale? Like, come on. You're a terrible leader, sir. Just writing people off. Rachel decides to chuck Mr. Three in the pool? Because, like, in in Elephant Morph, she manages to chuck Mr. Three into the pool because she's like, ah, you absorb things through your hoofs. So now what are you going to do, bro? And like, I'd imagine that they have the ability to, like, open and close their hoof mouths. They do. Stay tuned. More info to come on that. We will learn more about Andalite physiology. <laughs> the Visser is just terrible at being a controller. Because, like, bro, check your check your your dude's memories to learn how shit works, but apparently not. Well, that's the whole point of Visser 3 and... is that he's unstable and doesn't think to do these easy things. Yeah. So Rachel Rachel wins this little standoff and throws more barrels in the pool. Rachel or Cassie goes and frees everybody else. And they walk up the steps towards the the exit, and Visser Three does his Visser Three thing, and apparently just tries to morph into something that uh, could possibly eat something. Mm-hmm. And because uh, that's what he does, Marco shoots oatmeal everywhere, and they they escape, but not before morphing into moles and Rachel shoots the ceiling out and they have to like crazy dig their way out. And apparently they find their way way back up to the world's largest underground bat cave, this city, I swear to God. (laughs) And it's now sundown. So they follow the bats out and, and then we get our, our, our little wrap up and Rachel gets home and her mom's like, where the fuck have you been? And she's saved by the bell uh, her mom learns that uh, Mr. George Edelman has escaped, but not before a magical grizzly bear showed up and told him to run. But apparently she did not use private thought speak because somebody somebody had to have been able to relay that information. So they overheard Rachel, the talking bear, talk to this man. Discuss. Again, it feels like Rachel just kind of does what she wants when she wants and doesn't think about consequences in any way. 
I feel like this guy would have been being watched by Yerks, and I feel like they would have noticed a grizzly bear talking to him. I don't know. I guess it's just suspension of disbelief at this point. Also, where is this guy going to go once he breaks out of this institution? Where is he going to go? He's going to go. He's going to go meet up with the lady from the first book, and they will ride off into the sunset on a horse, aka Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the book. I feel like this was just another, like, very inconsequential one. Because, like, does the oatmeal come up again at all as a tactic? Or was this, like, a, another just one and done? We're good. Um, I don't think it ever comes back up. Or if it does, it's not for a lot later. I don't think it ever does. I'm thinking back through. Right now, I'm in my reread, I'm up to, like, I think I just finished book 42 last night. So I'm almost at the end. And I don't think it's come back up again. See, it's it's this kind of nonsense that... Because we now have uh, a couple of very inconsequential books in a row. Mm -hmm. And we're only 17 in. Just wait till we get to the <laughs> ghostwritten books. Oh, we want to talk about filler books that don't mean anything? <laughs> Oh, uh, we're getting close too. We're almost there. We're almost there. Those start in the mid twenties. It's happening soon. Mm -hmm. I so I think that that pretty much kind of wraps up the the underground. Thank you all so much for listening. Next week we'll be discussing book eighteen, the decision. We are back to acts. If you would like to read along, check out the show notes for a link to download the entire series for free on PDF. The graphic novel of The Invasion is now available wherever you buy books or the link to purchase it is in the show notes as well. New episodes of The Millennial Agenda are available every Monday with new Animorphs editions each Friday. You can find The Millennial Agenda all over your favorite social media on Instagram and Facebook as The Millennial Agenda and Millennial AG Pod on Twitter. You can now support the podcast in lots of fun ways. There's podcast merchandise now. Yes. Yay. I'm wearing my The Gardens t-shirt right now. Oh, look at you go. There are uh, very specifically uh, Millennial Agenda related shirts, as well as uh, really fun Animorphs inspired stuff in the shop um, over at the Hot Mess Press. That link is in the bio. You can also support the podcast on buymeacoffee.com and receive access to bonus content. Fun fact, when Kevin and I record, about 30 minutes of the shit that we say <laughs> doesn't make it into the episode. I wish I was kidding. I wish I was kidding. <laughs> These episodes start off a whole lot longer than they end up being. If you ever notice a weird jump cut in the middle of a sentence, now you know why. <laughs> and that bonus content ends up somewhere, and it's over at buymeacoffee.com backslash supporting Neverland. Uh, that, all of that, buying the merchandise, uh, going to buy me a coffee, helps support keeping the podcast going. Uh, it doesn't cost a lot of money, but it does cost some money and I'm still unemployed so help out wherever you can even if it's like a one-off you still get access to bonus content through buy me a coffee so check that out and as always please make sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting platform until next time happy reading happy reading